he was treating were in the clinics that he had. Why were they there? What's the root cause? What's the problem? And so he instructed his clinical staff to provide what he called an atmosphere of creative love. They were to give large doses of love to the patients. There were no unloving attitudes, no negative attitudes that were tolerated. And he discovered that within six months, the average stay of the patients in the clinics had been reduced to half their normal time. It was cut in half. And Menninger writes, love cures people, both the ones who give it and the ones who receive it. Chapter 13 has been called the hymn of love, the hymn of the New Testament, the love chapter. It's been called the Beatitudes set to music. Henry Drummond wrote a classic book put out years ago. I was going through it this week. It's called The Greatest Thing in the World, based on this chapter. The Greatest Thing in the World, Love. In that little booklet, he says that love is the summum bonum, the, the, the supreme good from which all other good flows. And if you know anything about the Corinthian church and the book of 1 Corinthians itself, then you know that chapter 13 is a breath of fresh air in this book. Because the theme of the book is all of the problems they had in the church that Paul was trying to help solve. And so in the midst of a malaise of problems, a church stifled with them, comes this chapter of love. Now we're going to read this together and we're going to kind of take an overview of it this morning and then pick it apart verse by verse, thought by thought for the next few weeks so that we can be elevated in what true love is and hopefully we will exercise it more and more in our marriages, among parents to children, children to parents, friendships, and as members of the body of Christ. But understand that chapter 13 is really not a definition of love. It is rather what love looks like. It's a display of love. And it's here for a very important reason. Let's look this morning then at, the, at this chapter. It's short, but profound. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass, a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and have all knowledge, though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long. It's kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. It does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, 
that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. I still struggle with that verse. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am known. And now abide faith, hope, love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Now the word love is used nine times in this little chapter, which which brings us to the first and most important question, what's the meaning of love? What, is, what does love mean? And I'll tell you why it's important to ask that question. Because everybody uses the word love. 